2: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Super!
1: Welcome back to ESSR Central. A little later in the week, you can thank those morons in their fantasy draft for getting in the way of recording nights. But Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet's premiere show is back reviewing the biggest party of the summer, SummerSlam. My name is Ross McLeod, and did you know that the male mockingbird can learn over 200 sounds? Here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, our very own mockingbird, David Hockney, will regurgitate your own... <laughs> your own opinion and say it back to you in a long-winded form.
2: Please don't uh, mock me like this. This is my second recording of the day. I'm operating on double duty here. Still having a few teething problems with my setup, but it's uh, it's certainly uh, an improvement for what I used to have.
1: Well, it's certainly an improvement from uh, midweek's draft when you sounded like you were coming to us from under the sea. But anyway... Um, <laughs> Did you know mockingbirds are usually associated, a visit from a mockingbird is usually associated as a good omen? However, when this dodo visits me, it usually just means someone's going to eat my food and use my Wi Fi. It's Scott McLeod.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I bring food sometimes. I <laughs> also, Dave, uh. stop, stop going there. Oh, I'm on double duty. Like, you're not pulling a double shift, you're sitting in front of your laptop talking bollocks about. I'm actually standing meant,
2: in meant, front of my laptop I meant, because I have a standing desk now. Oh, well, fucking excuse
0: me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, um, I mean, I did, en- I did enjoy Dave's audition to be one of the adults from Peanuts last midweek during the draft the <laughs> selection show.
1: Yes, that was a, a show with many, many teething problems, not just Dave's. Uh, Jack's Wi-Fi that runs on wind from Ayrshire. <laughs> <laughs> Among the highlights, but if you want to listen to those highlights and many other shows, previews, reviews, interviews, all the news, then each Sleep Suplex Retweet you can find on iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. I keep going to say anchor; it just fits so well. Uh, at Suplex Retweet, however, is if you want to get involved in the conversation, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. But we are here to talk about SummerSlam, biggest part of the summer. And the biggest social media crossover superstar, Logan Paul, kicking things off against Ricochet. Ricochet, Scott, let's talk about Ricochet. Let's have a frank talk about Ricochet because he is a sensational athlete, an incredibly gifted wrestler who can perform feats of athleticism that I could only dream of. I pull my hamstring watching him attempt a 450 flash. <laughs> but my God, he's boring. And Logan Paul and who he's dating carried that feud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know it was weird. Like, making a big deal of the fact that oh, ever happens to be wearing yellow, which is the colours of Logan Paul, because Logan Paul apparently owns the colour yellow in a world of wrestling. He apparently inherited it from Hulk Hogan. <laughs> but like you did do the whole the thing, control. Control. Did the leg
2: drop,
0: yeah. Yes, I, I'm aware of the irony. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't think it was the viral sensation they thought it was going to be. I think after, you know, the very scary spot from Money the Bank, and then the, and then the, the big moment from the Royal Rumble, I don't know what else they could have done to, to have a big moment, but you no, know, they did their best. There were a few spots that didn't look as smooth, but you know, it would look worse if it was anyone else other than these two doing it. And it's weird that the best part of this match is was a post-match with bloody Logan Paul basically telling Samantha Irvin to say his name again. Yeah, it's... Um,
1: Ricochet is not a, a very interesting character. I think we've had these teething problems before, David, where we want Ricochet to succeed, as, as we mentioned, in-ring. He is sensational. He does things that no one else can do. But um, this looks like it was something they should have took advantage of at maybe WrestleMania. Because someone like Ricochet, he, he doesn't have the, the staying power to hold a feud from Royal Rumble to SummerSlam. No,
2: probably not. But... I suppose the argument with Wrestlemania was is that he was up against a proper big name in the in the form of Seth Rollins. And you had a little extra celebrity exposure as well as um, obviously KSI got involved in some capacity. You know, it's Wrestlemania. It's where all the celebrities come out to play. Uh, I feel bad for Ricochet because he can put on a very, very good match. It's just... His character development is what lets him down. Like, he's the guy who could do all this flippy shit and stuff. But yeah, so could Pac, so could Sankara, and so could a whole bunch of other wrestlers who competed in the cruiserweight division. You know, he's nothing, he's nothing short of anything the cruiserweight division hasn't produced before. And, you know, he's like the one and only, but I mean, it's just not a lot to work with, and I suppose the taking jabs at Samantha was a was a good road to go down, but it doesn't take away that you know it was a really good match. But it was, you know, Michael Cole said it best. Good match.
1: Scott. Um, David made a good point there mentioning the cruiserweights, and we've seen with the cruiserweights that. The deftifying stuff and the tournament aspect was really, really cool. But when there was no character, there was no staying power. Um, where do you think Ricochet goes from here? Um, because he was on Raw the next night and he was put in a fatal four-way, and this is the way Adam Pearce described it. Which great way to build up everyone in this match. None of you have had things going your way recently, have you? Like, oh well. <laughs> I'm really invested to see which one of these losers takes the title off of, <laughs> of the guy that's hold the belt for over 400 days um, he was put in that match, he didn't even win it uh, Logan Paul's away now, he's training for a, a boxing match in November so he won't be back till at least the Royal Rumble and again I, this this feud needed so much of Logan Paul's natural charisma and so much, you know, of the backstage wink-wink, should they know about this, you know, oh, he dates her sort of aspect. We, we've already went there right at the start of the feud. Is there, is there any way to continue this feud and make it interesting?
0: Mm-hmm. No, really, no. I think the whole thing was like, oh, we'll do a match, we'll do some impressive, like, Frigsey Poole did the 6.30 for, which was a big thing for him in the news, but I don't think he's really done it that much since he's coming to WWE, so he pursued an old movie. yet. Uh, yeah, Logan Paul doing his version of the, uh, of the Buckshot lariat to the, to the outside also a kid handed him his bottle of prime Logan took a big sip of it and just chucked it in the opposite direction just like the kids probably thinking do you know how much I paid for that bottle in that pack
1: Yeah, for stadium prices it certainly wasn't cheap
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean stadium prices everywhere you know have you seen how much prime bottles have been sold for some have been going for like 100 quid in some <laughs> corner shops
1: the corner shop across from me, when they first got them, sold them for ten quid, and now this is this is why you should never buy things, children, during <laughs> the boom period. Because now there is an entire like island dedicated to Prime, and they can't fucking shift it. So you know, <laughs> um, I, no wonder it's two ninety nine a bottle. That's still too much for me personally. Uh,
2: it's two fifty out of Sainsbury's across uh, from my flat, but there's only like it's only on like one little section. It doesn't have a full a full aisle dedicated
1: to it. Well, we are not going to have a full segment dedicated to it. We're going to move on there. <laughs> oh, standing desks and bottle of prime. We're really hitting the heights here this Saturday night, folks. Oh yeah. <laughs> well,
2: Saturday.
1: The match itself was great, Scott. You, yeah, we did uh, touch on that. 4.75 stars for anyone who cares about that sort of thing from Dave or So, a really good social media match, but I think the thing is here, Logan Paul has that gimmick of oh, "I'm a social media guy. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna break the internet. I'm gonna go viral." But his character still car- carries it. His character's the best thing about his presentation. Ricochet is the weakest aspect of his presentation, and he's still there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think a big thing about this is that people who have like a mild interest in like wrestler or maybe don't watch it, but know Logan Paul and hear that he's doing wrestling they probably will just look at the odd clip of the odd gif. And so that's why he probably does these big moments, like the video of him doing the, the elbow drop to the table of Roman Reigns. And so and a lot of people who don't even watch wrestling probably saw that clip from the Rumble. So, so if we can get them doing some stuff that we can put into a gif or post on social media, they'll get eyes on the match. and may get eyes on Ricochet. But I think if they even tune in to see Ricochet for the next week or so, they'll see that uh, this guy was being carried by Logan Paul. And I'm surprised he got that higher reign, but I think that you said to maybe the reason it wasn't like a full five, like for anyone who cares about that, it's probably because there wasn't that much of a story going into it.
1: Yeah, I agree. And David, you mentioned earlier on with his match with Seth Rollins, the celebrities coming out in the likes of KSI. You can see the level between KSI and the people who are friends with Logan Paul because KSI got, oh my God, that's KSI. (laughs) Whereas Michael Cole just went, that guy's on Logan Paul's podcast. And that was it. Yeah. (laughs) To the finish of the match. Finish of the match. Logan Paul hits the brass knucks. It does leave things open for a rematch, but it's it's not one I'm I'm wanting to see at WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Thank God for two night WrestleManias because watching Ricochet build up a, a feud to a WrestleMania that's like seven hours long, I'd be like, oh God, no. But anyway, we'll move on to. From a lack of story to finishing the story, and that's Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes. Brock Lesnar, Cody Rhodes, three. Two great matches in the build up to this. Uh Cody Rhodes has kept Scott since WrestleMania. We thought, oh, that's the highest his popularity is ever going to be. And you know, I, I can understand both sides of the, the coin. He should have won at WrestleMania, or oh, he doesn't need to win at WrestleMania, blah blah blah. His popularity is as over as ever, and we saw that at Ford Field on Saturday night.
0: Mhm. Oh yeah. I mean, the videos is like, people have been putting in compilations like even since before WrestleMania. Just like, and the woes from the crowd are getting louder and louder as the weeks go on. And I think it was doubt that like during this feud that he's popular popularity was still there. I think the big test is going to be after this. Like, how what do you do? in like this like, you no know, winter months where it does seem like the way he does often have a bit of a lull. View. How do you keep Cody? his momentum going and his storyline's interesting before he inevitably probably wins the Rumble, he go on to WrestleMania again against, against Roman Reigns but you know, as much as we were joking I think when we were in, you guys watching this we still don't know why Brock Lesnar attacked Cody but we've enjoyed the matches it's produced and much of this match felt a lot like the, the 2014 match with John Cena where Lesnar was just dominating and dominating and just kept throwing Cody inside and just telling him stay down or this will get worse for you Uh and we've seen those videos of Brock Lesnar, you know, cutting up meat and he's looking like a butcher. Right near the end, with we nearly saw a different kind of meat from Brock Lesnar. Jesus. Fucks.
1: Sake. Moving swiftly on from that, Jesus. Um, <laughs> we talked about the importance of story, uh, David. Uh, another aspect is being over. And when you're over and you have the story, you can do this sort of downtrodden hero trying to fight back against the big bad beast. You know, they've tried it with Cena, after his initial boom period, people didn't like it. Super Cena, lol. they tried it with, uh, with Roman Reigns. People didn't buy it, but it seems like they've cracked that nut with Cody Rhodes. Um, I thought this great. This match was great. The story was great, and I, listen, I still don't think he's been affected by not winning at WrestleMania.
2: It's difficult to say, but. The feud with Brock as a standalone has been very good for Cody. Especially, you know, when it was rinse and repeat for a good portion of the match, you know, he, come, he keeps beating the count, Brock beats him up a little extra, throws him back out, and basically he wants Cody to give up on his own accord but he wouldn't do it. And I think that's what drove the what was the unplanned you know respect showing towards the end. So I, th- I think in a way it did elevate Cody in a way that he is a uh, He's a fighter and it doesn't doesn't matter, you know, what he's up against. He's gonna he's just gonna keep fighting. Much like you know, against Seth Rollins and Hell in a Cell when he only had one working arm, effectively. I still think the WrestleMania loss knocked down a few pegs when it didn't have to. You know, we could have had the series with Brock for the title, and it still would have worked. I'm not uh- sure if uh, you know, losing the title at some point before winning it back might have done him many favours. But I mean, I, would, I wouldn't have been against the idea, you know, like Rollins lost it to Lesnar in a catch in 2019 and then won won it back immediately.
1: No, I think it, the Brock feud had to be non title because the Brock feud means that Brock has to win one of the three matches and I don't want to see Brock Lesnar's champion again. Um, mm-hmm. I and mean, I, I actually think losing the title to Brock in Saudi Arabia hurts him more than the feud with Brock and losing the non-title match but um, it's got something I like about these three matches throughout the the series sometimes when someone beats Brock Lesnar it seems to be Brock Lesnar is this mythical creature year round, no one can defeat him and at Wrestlemania all of a sudden he's beatable and Mm he just gets beat clean and he's just another guy This hasn't happened with the Cody Rhodes feud. It's been a roll-up. It's been passing out uh, to his submission. And then it's been uh, three crossroads after hitting him on the exposed turnbuckle. It's not been that Cody's won. It's that Cody survived and Brock Mm. still looks like a killer.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think Cody is nice to say, I think by the reason he seemed like as you get babyface during this, is that he does seem like he's been against us for this whole feud, like the beatdown down and the raw after mania, seeming like he just might sneak out a win at backlash after he carried the Kabura into a pin, which then led to him getting his arm broken but he still went on because he's a babyface and you know, not refusing to tap it, rather pass out from the pain. And then this is the most definitive Cody's looked over Lesnar by getting the three crossroads, which also protects Lesnar that after the explosive got took three of Cody's finisher to put him away so i think it makes both men look great out of this and well i can i can get Dave's argument that maybe it would be cool if the belt was on the line maybe that would explain why he attacked him because like well i couldn't fight roman anymore for the belt so now that someone else has got it i'll go after it but i also don't like the idea of him winning the belt and at some point he, he would have had to had he been in this feud with we because you know Brock was definitely going to win at least one of these matches because Brock rarely, if ever, loses two matches back to back to the same person. Yeah, um, and I did like the ending. Um, the, the biggest shock for me about this match, though, is the fact that Brock Lesnar wrestled a match that was 17 and a half minutes. Jesus. Um, I think that's his longest four, match since the 60 minute Iron Man match against Kurt
1: Angle. 4.5 stars, uh, Dave Meltzer awarded this. Um, just killed five, Dave. Stop being a dick. Um, but, um, yeah, a good end to the feud, and interesting to see where Cody goes from here because Cody um, made it clear that he was going after Seth Rollins' world title. He has to. He's on RAW. Um, he then was interrupted by Sami Zayn. They try to, you know, work things out. Seth and Cody had a wee uneasy alliance. But now Nakamura has attacked Seth Rollins. Where does Cody go for here, Any Any guesses where Cody goes?
2: Mm, well, he, that's a tricky one. I reckon <sighs> he picks up a feud with somebody else. Maybe he sets payback out and you know, he lets a new feud build over time. Or maybe he builds something where he can compete at Survivor Series, possibly even in a in a War Games match. But it's like his dad did in WCW.
1: I think if we're doing War Games again, I think 100% I agree with that Cody Rhodes needs to be involved. Um, it could very much be against the Judgment Day, um, although they look like they've got their own thing going on and we'll talk about that a bit more when we talk about the World Heavyweight title picture. But yeah, I, I I really don't see where Cody Goads here and I don't know if you remember the the Nakamura uh, paradox where they brought him up to the main roster 2017 it was clear he was going to win the Royal Rumble in 2018 but then it, it, it just became like we were waiting so they put him in the title picture too early and he took two losses and it done him it done him more damage than good then they put them in a a crappy tag team feud as part of like Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon's argument on Raw and SmackDown eh, on who runs SmackDown, and then it just it it did more damage than good. So I think we're at a really critical point here. So I do agree with you. I think maybe sitting payback out and letting a new feud build, being involved in war games, could be the best thing for him, or and here's the big R. Or. or Cody Rhodes says, I have to finish the story. He's never once says he has to finish the story at WrestleMania. I think, I think the time is now. I think Cody V Roman to at survivor series. If you want to sell survivor series, they've done so much over the years to, to improve survivor series. They've done the brand warfare stuff. They've done NXT getting involved. They've added war games, and eventually, you just like it's not been consistent. It's not been able to consistently hold the viewers and uh, the viewers, the viewers' interest. I think putting a big match like Cody Roman two on the card would give you one of possibly the most watched Survivor Series of all time.
2: I don't know. If they revert back to champion versus champion, you know, they could have Roman versus Rollins and then Roman finally gets that 1v1 win over Rollins. That's eluded him pretty much his entire career.
1: But then my, my thinking here is if Rollins beats Roman, sorry, if Cody beats Roman, we've talked about how until until such time when Roman loses the title, the World Heavyweight title suffers in comparison to him. It was built to allow someone else the chance to have a title. Cody v, sorry, Roman versus Rollins at WrestleMania for the World Heavyweight title. I think that would be something that absolutely validates that title and gives it the standing that, that compares it to the WWE title. Because right now it doesn't. And you could even have a Wrestlemania Cody versus Gunther.
2: No, I, I think if Roman's going to drop the title, he has to do it at Wrestlemania. There's just no other setting where the end of his reign would do would do justice.
1: I, I disagree there because I think WWE's got a bit formulaic with the title changes and the, the oh, it has to be here and it has to be there and like B pay-per-views used to be really fun like a month before Wrestlemania The Rock beat Kurt Angle for the WWE title you know there's been title changes before and the February pay-per-views now they seem very formulaic and it's taken away from the elimination chamber I think as well so listen, we could debate this all night but we're here to talk SummerSlam so let's yeah. talk let's talk LA Knight winning the Slim Jim Battle Royal um, yeah Kwaku asked me as we were watching this, what does the winner get for winning this? And then he was immediately in an advert for it. <laughs> Five minutes later. That's what he gets Kwaku. He gets a lifetime membership to Slim Jim.
2: Yeah, him and Bianca Belair both getting Slim Jim ads for winning their respective matches. That was the prize. It was like more it was like Booker T and Edge vying over the shampoo commercial WrestleMania 18.
1: Yeah, it was.
2: Uh, <laughs> it was not. Uh,
1: <laughs> it was not an obvious uh, winner until you seen the advert after, uh, and then it was very obvious. But Scott, it's nice to see WWE giving someone a spotlight when they are so clearly over. In the case of LA Knight. yeah, definitely. Man. I, I think I joked
0: about the idea of. And like, yes, the winner becomes the next Randy Savage out of this Slim Jim deal, and then literally it happened. Made it and it was like, hmm, you know, it's starting to wonder about how real this whole wrestling lark is. You know, they they are not that advert together fairly quickly.
1: I mean, he was still in Ring Gear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was it his, was it the same
1: Ring Gear he wore? No, 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 no. He um, was in mean, bright yellow and red Slim Jim attire. Um, like when like when Nakamura and Boogs came out dressed like a can of Mike's hard lemonade.
2: Um <laughs> oh, uh maybe a last year. Yeah. But um that was horrendous.
1: Let's talk about Ellie Knight going forward. We had that great back and forth with him and the Miz. Um Miz getting annoyed that his photo shoot has been cancelled because LA Knight's won one battle royal. Uh Ellie Knight saying to Miz I'm the guy they've been ignoring while they've been wasting time on the wrong guys like you just because you're safe. I love the idea of an LA Knight versus Ms. feud, Scott. I
0: mean, it certainly could be like very interesting. I mean, it's good to see him in a proper feud rather than just beating up members of Hitman Row because they look vaguely really like first prince characters in his opinion. But I think because. Uh, players are not ready to give him a full-on push terms like, towards the title because a lot of people thought he'd be the one to take the U.S. title off of uh, Austin Theory, and he got very close to it. But yeah, giving him a win on pay per view and then a feud against a multiple-time champion, I, mean, I think it's a good way to help further elevate and prove that you know the fan reaction is like sustaining for LA Night, and he will is worthy of like getting pushed into a proper title program. And I mean year's is over and if you want to get somebody you're more over, having them be at the beer than this does seem to work.
1: Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, David, we were talking on Saturday um about Triple H maybe not pulling the trigger quick enough on some people. He certainly didn't miss a trick here. The crowd absolutely loved it.
2: Yeah, I think he got the biggest pop of the whole night just for winning a battle royal. Like it was just with a lot of product placement attached to it. You know, it was the reaction almost felt like as if he won the Royal Rumble. Like, that's how you would describe that reaction. But I suppose it's it's a step in the right direction now that management appears to be, to be listening to the audience for once. And, you know, unlike the case of, like, Rusev Day or uh, the yes chance until it was up to the point where Brian couldn't actively compete anymore it was it just felt great just to hear that reaction and ellie knight finally getting his dues just because of his charismatic personality maybe, yeah, no. he just, maybe he doesn't need a title at this point but i think as long as he delivers great promos great feuds, and keeps getting wins i think the crowd is going to be happy
1: yeah i agree um The next match on the card, uh, rated 1.5 stars. I think that's far too generous. Uh, Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler. Ronda Rousey makes... uh, Sorry, Shayna Baszler makes Ronda Rousey pass out. She's now left WWE. We could discuss this match or we could take an interlude to discuss the other titles in WWE at the minute because there's a lot of titles uh, that are hanging the balance. So we're going to talk about them at this segment rather than talk about Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler because... If I had to watch it, I'm not going to have to talk about it. Um, David, let's talk about the women's tag team titles, cursed tag team titles at that. Um, bet, yeah. Sonia Deville uh, has torn her ACL. She's going to be out for an extended period of time. Chelsea Green's refusing to give up the titles and instead hosting Chelsea's Got Talent, where she's encouraging <laughs> WWE staff and superstars to get involved. And becoming her new tag team champion.
2: I mean, Chelsea's got talent, you know. Whereas uh, I imagine it's not being hosted at Stamford Bridge, but uh, I digress. <laughs> but uh, I think this is actually quite clever because it, it means that Chelsea doesn't necessarily have to drop the tag titles, and it takes a page out of Chris Jericho's book in 2009, where he and Edge won the titles at uh, Great American Bash. Edge his Achilles tendon. He was ruled out to rumble, and he brought in Big Show as his replacement, who actually ended up becoming one of the tag teams of the full year.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, I, but I think Chelsea maximizing social media. You know, it, it's just another wrinkle in our character. You know, it's another layer of, you know, where the the caring committee were outreaching to our, to our supporters. You know, let's bring, let's bring one of you in and we can continue this reign so we don't have to face the the tyranny of Scrap Daddy and his his woke politics or anything like that.
1: And Scott, um, it fits obviously the character that she came in by. Can I speak to the manager? I want to speak to management. Um, it, it, It keeps Chelsea Green on TV, it keeps her in a feud, and also, when the inevitable stripping of the titles happens, whatever thrown together team Chelsea Green's in they instantly have a storyline to go in against the new champions
0: yeah definitely I I do think we should definitely make more of this a thing on on TV rather than just social media held. just you know it's great that under Triple H you've got a lot of great in terms of like matches but you don't get a lot of great pre tape segments anymore so having just a bunch of segments of her Chelsea Green at a table and a bunch of people basically auditioning for her and going like next next and like nobody meets her like standards I think it would be quite entertaining. I see on to our truth is try to audition for this. Like there's the comedic pair, and you know, up our own our and Chelsea Green, and you know, always entertaining our truth, just basically trying to make everyone laugh.
1: Yeah, uh, Zach Ryder or Matt Cardona, Chelsea Green's husband, is also auditioned <laughs> to remain one of the <laughs> women's tag team champions. I enjoyed his. I'm half of half. The women's
2: tag team champions. Um, it was a quarter women's ta- women's tag champion.
1: That was the joke, Dave. Yes,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, that's you in that mass degree, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> but
1: um, going on to the men's tag team titles, uh, according to Dave Meltzer, WWE are not planning on stripping Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens of the undisputed tag team titles, despite both men being out with injuries. Uh, Kevin Owens has been out mid-July; he's rehabbing some broken ribs. Sami Zayn. Uh, has fluid in his elbow uh, and is, uh, is currently out of uh, action until the end of August. However, it doesn't look like they're going to be out for a long time. Scott, do, do you think this could have been a good a good chance to like split the titles again? Or do you think WWE have done the right thing by keeping the titles on Sammy and Kale?
0: I think not splitting them apart is probably a good thing. You know, it's available, I think, at this point, whether or not they should be kept on Sammy and Kevin because after they've had some good title defences on TV, like against the Judgment Day and against Pretty Deadly, but that Pretty Deadly one was on we all shot. Like, why is it the Friday before Money in the Bank and not on Money in the Bank? So, other than the matches I do, they haven't actually had a pay per view title defence. So, it does feel like there's been quite a few missed opportunities in terms of great pay per view defences for these two. But while they are out and you know, are not defending the titles, it does give us a chance to build up some new containers, maybe another combination of Judgment Day. You know, Imperium's still getting some momentum behind it. You know, we've got a new Healish Street Profits. I think once Kevin came and back, there might be prime candidates to take the belts off them. So I think, yeah, just give it, give it some time, build up a couple of containers, and then find somebody to take it off the two of them.
1: Dave, what do you think? Do you think this would have been a good opportunity to split the titles, or do you think common sense prevailed to keep the titles on Sammy and Kale?
2: I mean, if they're not going to be out for much longer, I reckon it's probably worth just hanging on until they bounce back. At least it puts more focus on some of the other storylines. You know, it's it gets more focus on both women's title scenes. The world heavyweight title gets a bit more focused and. I suppose by association, Rhea Ripley and the Judgment Day, you know, they've been all over Monday Night Raw. I think that's the massive draw. The Bloodlines, the big draw for SmackDown. Yeah, I, I, it, it's difficult to sort of put them in on the card when SummerSlam had only a handful of direct focus points. Kind of like what NXT Takeovers used to do. You know, it was less is more. Fewer matches, but still great production value for the show itself. I mean, SummerSlam as a whole was pretty good. Obviously, you know, there was product placement and other stuff to to fill the void. But that's just from a business perspective. Match quality. There was a lot of really, really good matches on the card.
1: Dave, you're you're rambling here, so I'm going to move us on.
2: Um, (laughs) Um... Let's talk about the United
1: States champion who was in this match, or the former United States champion, I should say, Austin Theory Didn't get a match. Um, Scott, we've talked on this show before. Cena didn't bury Austin. He just pointed out that he's not that good. And he's not exactly been able to build steam here. Santos Escobar taking out before the match. Rey Mysterio replaces him. Rey Mysterio, your new United States champion. Where do you see this going? Where do you see Austin Theory going? And... Where do we see the, the Smackdown mid-card title scene? How, how do we see that going forward?
0: You, when you say he was in this match, as if we we're still talking about the he'd moved on to the MMA rules match. Which made think, like, I mean, it'd be interesting to see Ronda Rousey versus Austin
1: <laughs> Yes, my bad, my bad. Well, the last I mean, match we actually talked about, because we weren't talking about Ronda, Shayna, so...
0: I'd rather talk about the cute to the toilet that was seen in Ford Field in the <laughs> match, but... I mean, hell, I don't think you could... Well, I said when mainstream runner around he beat Austin Theory for the US title. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that he, not only was Austin Theory in the match uh, for the Slinger Battle I only really think he was one of the ones that got an entrance. No just, he was wasn't. It, which is just a damn of both his booking and the booking of the United States title because said like had one or two defences on SmackDown since he's been drafted over. His last pay per view defense, I think, was backlash or a triple threat, which was more about the other two guys challenging him and doing and on the Fulton Turner and a uh, Bronson Reed and Lashley. So I think literally, seeing you and like I said a lot of those things I said to him on TV, you know, behind the scenes as Trevor as if he was trying more of him. Like, you know, if anything, he's proven Cena right on all accounts, and any goodwill he briefly had for those two weeks after he lost to the, the Bank like late last year, all but freaking gone at this point. You know, he held that belt since yeah. November and did less with it than I think any other any, any champion in a good long while. So, yeah, more for someone of like Remus Steele's experience beating a younger guy, you think, oh, that's, that's a waste. Why you should be getting him over? Like Everyone's like, no, thank God you took that belt away from him. And it goes to show how he's forgettable his last two were. Because when, when there was a tweet there that said Remus Theo celebrates his third US title, and I thought, like, he's a three-time US champion.
1: I thought I'd much, so when I was saying that this morning. But yeah, two forgettable reigns. But David Scott talked about the damning indictment of the US title booking. Ironically enough, when Triple H first came in, um, the mid-card titles were something that really, really took focus on weekly TV. What with uh, Roman Reigns only defending the title uh, at big pay-per-views and what have you. Bobby Lashley as US champion and Gunther as IC champion had a lot of a lot of spotlight on on weekly TV, but it's just seemed it's not kept up. Is is that the fault of Deere maybe not being as over as they thought, or is who do you put the blame on here?
2: I have to give it to Austin Theory a little bit. You know, Tina said it best. You know. They had to pipe in crowd noise because nobody really cares for him. I mean, take last year at Clash at the Castle. You know, he did get a, a decent reaction when he was holding the Money in the Bank contract. But as US champion, he's just been just another face in the crowd. You know, a really stale heel character who's just beaten a handful of uh, who's beaten a handful of big names. Fair play. But you know, it's like, okay, what? Then what? You know, he's not really built anything off the back of it, unlike, you know, Randy with the legend killer, Mr. Kennedy, you know, running his mouth, you know, the Mad Mike man. Theory just just didn't take the ball and run with it. And his title reign just became stale as a result.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Uh, it would be interesting to see where the LWO sort of faction goes from here, but we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. So we've talked about the three titles that weren't on this show, but we're going to talk about one that was on this show. Big meaty men, slapping meat, intercontinental champion Gunther, now officially the second longest uh, intercontinental champion of all time passing Pedro Morales. He is closing in on that honky-tonk record, Scott, and you're desperate to see it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yes, yes uh, I think uh, I believe it's like the Raw or so, if he gets past the Raw after payback, he will be the champion the longest reign champion and while I'm desperately seeing have that record set reign I'm also kind of getting sick of long reigns in general with WWE given like not only if we had Roman we had this Bianca that used so this really long reign that just ended with Austin Theory. so while I want to have this long reign I want him to lose it at the next available opportunity after he'd broken the record because that's what the new day did because they, they broke you know, the demolition record on a Monday lost it on the Sunday uh, when they were on the next good. So, I'm looking forward to the stuff with Chad Gable, but I think if they can keep the Chad Gable stuff going, and then some point after a period, Chad Gable can lose, to, can win it off him, then I think that'll be a good end to the ring, a good thing for him. But Drew, obviously, is was a, was a good candidate for Gunther, because he can give it out in terms of the hard shots and everything until as good as he can take it. But I think it did take the crowd a little while to to get into it first, because I think a lot of you have traded that to the crowd we still recovering from how boring the MMA rules match was.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Dave Gunther has been one of the success stories of the Triple H booking, um, continually over this continual run, this dominant run, uh, not being pinned cleanly, Uh, since debuting on the main roster. I don't think he's been pinned since debuting on the main roster. Um, I I do agree with Scott. I want to see him break the record, but I'm also sick of long title runs. Um, But what's your thoughts on Gunther here, the championship run, and where does Drew McIntyre go for here? Because we saw the backstage clip on WWE.com. He gets stopped by an interviewer and asked a question. He gives her a dirty look and then just walks away. What next for Drew McIntyre? And thoughts on Gunther
2: Gunther's great. Like uh, I was a bit a bit worried about his transition from NXT UK to to the main roster, but ever since winning the Intercontinental Championship, he's just been fantastic. Always putting on great matches. He's had match of the year quality matches with Sheamus and Drew from Mania. And he's had consistent title defences as well. I think that's why people are just so invested in him. This time around, I don't think it was his best match, but then again, it's like... I mean, there was... Because he's got such a massive back catalogue of really, really good matches. So, I mean, seeing a good yeah. match out of is no surprise these days. But <clears throat> Drew, on the other hand, I... I can smell a heel turn coming, because I think he's also got some commitments at the minute.
1: I, th- I think he does, but I think um, if you're maybe going to have someone you know, go up against Seth, he doesn't even need to go up against him for the title. He could be the one to cost him the title when Damien Priest cashes in. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um but yeah, as you mentioned, not the best match, but still a great match. Um, and considering Gunther's back catalogue, you know, it's, it's no shame to not be the best match in <laughs> uh, Gunther's back catalogue. Pardon me. But yeah, um, I am very much low on board with what you said, Scott. The long title runs, can we give them a buy after this? Like, I, I want to see titles changing hands on TV. I want to see titles changing hands. I it's something WWE haven't been doing recently, which is having titles change hands on TV. And I, I'd love to see more TV title changes, more B-Pay-Per-View title changes, and more, I mean, uh, me and David talked about it earlier when we spoke at the end of Cody Rhodes. The, the February Pay-Per-View used to be a place where you, you knew you might see a title change leading into WrestleMania you're almost guaranteed not to see it now because the rest of media plans are leaked <laughs> in advance and you know, uh, he's fighting him, he's fighting him. So here's hoping yeah. the end of long title runs after this. I know you want to, you know, all your superstars to have something to hang their hat on but not every superstar on the roster should have a long title run or a record-breaking title run because then nobody has a record-breaking title run because it doesn't feel special. But anyway, yeah.
0: Um, I mean- just, just to say though that uh, I mean it's one thing if Roman has this reign that he's on and like it's clear gotta go to WrestleMania next year and it's a reign that'll not be touched if at all for a long time, the, like, the length of time he's had that that title. But I think the fact if he was just I think he is like once drops, that so he'll be the only person having that kind of long, impressive reign. And see it makes his look more impressive. He's the only one holding it for that kind of time. Whereas if you've also got Bianca's the longest women's champion of the morning era. this There's the longest main tag champs in the morning era. if Of all these different champions who've got long reigns, it kind of dilutes it a little bit. And if you can only hold on to your for a months, it's like, well, you don't look as good as these other people, do you? <laughs> and, I mean, I'm okay, okay with Gunther holding the belt for a bit longer because I think it's about time that someone did break that honky-tonk record. But I do think, yeah, we just have Roman be the long reign champion and then once he loses it, let's... let's, let's taper in the how long people have built for a little while.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, three month max and then you get shifted on. <laughs> um, let's talk about the World Heavyweight Championship match between Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. Um, I honestly thought this was Finn's time. I thought Seth was going to lose and I thought it was going to set up the the eventual tearing apart of the Judgment Day It didn't happen like that, Dave. Um, Seth Rollins gets the win. Damien Priest hesitates to give Finn Balor the case. He eventually throws the case in. Finn goes to reach for it. Seth stomps his head into the the briefcase. One, two, three. Damien Priest stood outside the ring looking like a disappointed father.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That last segment, it was like an episode of Chuckle Vision almost. (laughs) It was like... You know, take the briefcase to you, to me. <laughs> and you know, when they they do come up with an, a plan, you know, if it, it just gets foiled at the last minute and then priestesses look at him like, oh dear, oh dear. But again, you know, when you've got a match with these two, it's it's always gonna be brilliant. And I like all the nods they had to seven years ago, you know, Seth wearing the the same vest uh for his entrance. His tights were also just a different colour, but the same they more or less design uh, the, the the buckle bomb spot into the barricades. You know, it was very much a, a stroll down memory lane uh, from seven years ago in the inaugural Universal Title Match. The number of near year finishes though. Oh, I mean, you're right. There was a number of points I thought. You have cut out there,
1: Why well, you try fix that? I'll talk to Scott just now. Scott. Um... Dave was talking about the number of near finishes. I don't think I bought as many times as I did in this match. Every time there was a near fall, I I was like, this is it. This has got to be it. Oh, my God, how's this not it?
0: I know. uh, It's weird given that Seth's very early on in his title, but he's done quite a bit with the stuff of the Judgment Day, the stuff he did down in NXT. I mean, the Money in the Bank match was okay, but I don't think anyone saw it title change and in its first pay-per-view title defense, even with the fact that on the night Damon Priest won the briefcase. I think here, people thought either Priest or Balor was going to walk away with it. And I can see why people would think Balor would walk away with the title, you know, further create tension, maybe he'll get cashed in on by his own stablemate. And it does leave Balor in transition with whatever the Judgment Day story is going to have you know, going forward because now he's the only one still without anything you know, if he's always not got a title, he's not got a briefcase unlike the others and I definitely think it's probably the best match of this new world title so far and I'm glad it's like it was put in a weird position during the mind the bank it didn't really I don't think met the heights people were expecting but this one despite the fact I, I kind of wanted Fin to win I wasn't really disappointed because it made Seth look like he was a bit just a little bit smarter than the judgement day that he managed to escape with the belt.
1: Yeah, absolutely and it was a great back and forth match. Um, Seth Rollins looks like he's going into a feud with Shinsuke Nakamura um, thanks for doing that when I picked you in my draft team you dick um, it seems like um, it seems like Nakamura's got this new sort of persona, he's just come off a, a, a winning feud with uh, Tommaso Ciampa a uh, couple of matches with The Miz they are slowly rebuilding Nakamura but I think I, I, I just don't buy him as a contender at the minute.
2: At least he's not hitting people in the dick. Now, you know, he just straights up kidshasses them in the face.
1: Yeah, no, there is that. That is character improvement there. But yeah, it just there's just been so much damage done with the Nakamura um, character, and it just seems whenever he wins a title, they seem to forget he has it. He, he seems to be the only champion never on TV um, when he holds a title, so... Uh, I certainly don't want him to hold the world title God's sake, we already have one absent uh, World Champion but uh, Yeah, I can't see Nakamura winning this, I think this is an Interlude to maybe Drew Or maybe uh, The eventual judgement day Cash in but Sorry, you go Scott
0: It was a weird choice to end, Rogers ran just concessed and then buggers off Because he, he teamed with Cody and Right before it because at the start of the night, it did seem like Seth was coming out to confront Cody and you know, they're trying to build something between those two. You know, because if I was Seth, I'd be annoyed at Cody, who basically said in the press conference, "Point I'm like, oh, yeah, I could win that world belt, but that wouldn't be finishing the story. So, it, and also the fact that they, they came off that feud that ended with Cody underneath Peck, so there's obviously still, still tension between the two, despite like Seth being a face. That was a more interesting option, whereas they'd done this thing with Nakamura, which was, you could see a thing of, successful defensive back at payback and really nothing more if anyone's going to go into a thing with Seth other than Damien Priest I think I'd like to see it be Gunther after he loses the IC belt but of the two after this match the people who are more interested in are the judgment day because he had all that stuff with JD the night after
1: yeah I agree Um, interesting times ahead for those guys Uh, Bianca Belair, Asuka and Charlotte Flair uh, in a triple threat match, Bianca Belair and Asuka having a feud, Charlotte Flair having her, well, I'm a woman. It's a women's title match. I will be there. <laughs> uh, feud. Um, delighted, absolutely delighted that Bianca, even though she won, didn't walk out with the title. Because we talk about no character development. The sort of edgy Semi Heel, Arrogant, EST of NXT, the the incredible strength of feats and the the Iron Woman performances in the, the Royal Rumble. Feats. Strength of feats of strength. Sorry, there Jesus. you go. <laughs> Listen, you're saying you're doing double duty. I actually did a shift today and it was twelve hours. All right. So the period, leave me alone. If um, I can say, Mummy's drinking her wine. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we had, um, you know, the feats of strength and we had um, all this stuff. But it got old so quickly and it was the same. When you see one Bianca Belair match, you see them all. It's the, oh my God, how is she lifting her? Oh my God, they grabbed her ponytail. Oh my God, she hit her with the ponytail. K.O.D. And that's it. And there's been no character development and I, ironically enough, we looked, set, looked originally that we were going to set up to quite an interesting Charlotte versus Asuka feud, and she ruined that as well. So I am so happy that Eosky Sky finally got her moment. We did have one cash on on the night. Eosky Sky cashing in on Bianca Belair, and one, two, three. Eosky Sky is the new women's uh, new WWE women's champion. Very glad to see it. Someone who for too long has deserved a title and hasn't got one. Mm.
2: Yeah, it's a huge, huge achievement for, for EO, particularly in front of an audience that size. And it was nice to see Dakota Kai uh, back for, so that all of Damage Control could enjoy the moment one year after returning. Although I heard Dakota Kai's turnaround from Florida to, to Michigan It all happened so fast. You know, I think her plane landed while Gunther versus Drew was still going on, and she only just made it in time to watch Ewa's moment. But another couple of fun facts about this match. After this, Bianca Belair now holds the record for being in the longest match, the longest women's match, and the shortest women's match in SummerSlam history, both on the same night, which is crazy to think about. I'm pretty sure she also now holds the record for shortest reigning champion?
1: I think she would, yeah. I think shortest reigning and longest reigning, I don't know if they're continuing on the raw lineage, Scott. Um, mm. I don't know why they wouldn't. I mean, just keep it uh, going.
0: It seems the Raw Women's Belt was originally called the WWE Women's Belt for a couple of months before the, the brands went, so I assume... If that's happening, then maybe the the women's belt that Rhea's gonna make it to a SmackDown lineage, if it not its own one. But I thought it was the hill hill a triple threat, I felt bad for Asuka's reign end so soon after. She, I, I mean, she should have won at Mania, and then a lot of this feud seemed to be between Bianca and and Charlotte rather than her leading into this because they both had their opportunities and then interfere on them. But you know, in Charlotte, I've heard a lot of people criticizing her. Since the way she looks in the ring since she came back, and I noticed that a lot here, where she did not look quite as fluid as she once was. I mean, the the, the attempt at the double natural selection did not look good. I thank God they had, they stopped her from doing the double figure eight because I would hate to see what that would have looked like if she actually tried it. But Bianca <laughs> Bianca did fool me into thinking this was a legit injury. I think a few of us thought that because her landing and hitting the steps made an awful sound when she went down. And then she went out, but then she did the classic Cody Rhodes from Revolution 2021. I'm going away, I'm going away, and now I'm back. And as you do if you want to bravely, you know, break up a pinfall when you're injured, you do you go to the top and have a 450. <laughs> uh I did like how they teach him and you think Charles go in, no it's Asuka. oh no, it's Bianca, right at the very end. And you know, they gave us the opposite of what we thought. We thought we were gonna see a men's cash in, but we saw a woman's one, and I think a lot of people but going into the oh she'll cash in on Charlotte. Charlotte will win and then she'll immediately like be in because people will pop that are beating Charlotte. But while they're teasing Eo as a face, she's not fully turned yet. So we got to remember damage controller still heals. So it makes sense cashing on Belair because Belair's is the most concrete face in this match, despite quite a few people like ourselves maybe his into her anymore. Yeah, I think um with the Puerto
1: Rican uh, crowd's reaction to Io versus Bianca. I think we knew she would get a pop anyway. But yeah, congratulations to Io. Long, uh, Shortest-reigning, longest-reigning champion, Bianca Belair. So some good facts there from Dave. Thank you very much. Let's talk mm-hmm. main event. Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso. Tribal combat. No one can get involved, as Jimmy Uso and Solo Sikoa both got involved. <laughs> Oh, this, this, this was a good match. Roman gets injured early. Maybe not as great as we wanted. But Dave Meltzer rating at two point seven five stars. That just seems a bit harsh.
2: Yeah. I mean, I was a bit peeved that you know WWE didn't stick to their own rules of tribal combat in that no nobody can interfere until it ends. I think that sort of diminished it a little bit. But, this, uh, I have mixed feelings about this main event, particularly because I think the 2020 matches were considerably better, particularly the Hell in the Cell match, you know, the storytelling, the layers of emotion. I just didn't feel it this time around. You know, I figured this was the opportunity for, you know, some good emotional back and forth between Roman and Jay. say like, okay, look, we're in tribal combat, but we're still family. And but I do think some of it was hindered because Roman apparently got injured when Jay did his first dive to the outside and Roman suffered a a, a hip injury because the landing of it looked very awkward and uh I mean you know it was the usual, you know, chairs, candlesticks, table spots, just nothing that really stood out from like a a traditional Yeah,
1: and I agree. Nothing it, it was frustrating to see WWE not stick to their own rules and it's just how many times in this rivalry Scott or in and, and this Roman Reigns run do we see someone from the bloodline break up the pin before we eventually go look we're having a cage match or we're having a lumberjack match or we're having a this match where the where you do not have the advantage, like it is done, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's weird because they had this situation, They had the idea of it, but then they also had the idea of what how they wanted the match to end. And obviously, realizing that wasn't going to fit in with their so they wonder. But then again, I think if they didn't, it would be fine actually if they didn't. I think if they didn't have Solo get involved, it was just between those two. Because Jimmy getting involved, Jimmy's technically out the bloodline as well, much like Jay. Because obviously, when they both turned on Roman. I meant they were out of the group, so they technically could have had Jay Still, Jimmy still in a few, but Solo getting involved just made it seem like it was just a two-on-one handicap match for most of it. Yeah, and then, But they did tease some stuff between Solo and Roman. Solo got speared by Roman, but I don't think that's going to get paid off for, for a good few months. I mean, not, Maybe not even until after Roman's lost the belt. Cause you know, that's a long-term thing they want to do between those two. I think the big thing for me is this did not need to be as long as it was, like nearly an hour If we need to include entrances this went, and that we were watching in the UK well after the network said originally that this show would end, you know, the lights coming up, you know, I walked home from Gary's, like, I've got my next agency of neighbour as a poster, he was starting to shift when I came home, that's, that's too long for the fucking baby, I thought we were past this era of really long baby, especially after we cut two matches from this pay-per-view a week ago so but yeah, I think the injury might have hampered it, and I know people are worried about what this means to the story, and I do think the finish was slightly saved by what happened on SmackDown, but now I'm just wondering what you'd do with Roman as champion between now and like when he comes back for me, like Wrestlemania or Belt well, of Royal Rumble, who do you have Cause he needs to defend it at least once or twice before getting a match with Cody again next year. I mean, I don't know where he, where he goes from here.
1: I'm not sure either. Uh, 36 minutes and eight seconds, bell to bell, the match was. Um, let, let's talk about what happened on SmackDown. Um, the reaction that Jimmy Uso gave. Roman Reigns asked him, "What do you want for turning on Jay?" He said, "I don't want He says, "I don't want anything." Jimmy says, "I did it because I didn't want to lose you. I didn't want you to become a manipulative asshole like Roman Reigns." Uh, the Usos then reform for a moment to take out Solo and Roman Jimmy thinks everything's okay, goes to hug Jay Jay super kicks him and says he's out of the bloodline, he's out of Smackdown and he's out of WWE I quit and he leaves the arena this thing had so many, it, it was so streamlined it was so we had the, the betrayal of the Usos. Uh, sorry, the, the abuse of Roman Reigns, then the betrayal of the Usos. Then we had Bloodline Civil War. Then we're going to have tribal combat. It was all so streamlined, and now there's just too many moving parts, and it's it's getting to the point where I am now saying, end this reign. David, I, I don't know how you feel about it.
2: I think it, it's got to the point where it's overcooked. You know, this Bloodline story was... It was sitting in the oven. It was slowly, slowly developing over time. It was cooking to perfection. And, you know, they could have just ended the whole Bloodline saga there and then. You know, have Roman beat Jake clean as a whistle. You know, Jimmy comes back. They could do whatever from SmackDown onwards. They don't have to get involved with Roman and Solo anymore. But draw a line under it. Let's Let's move on to something else. But let, let, let's yeah. not get involved with the civil war anymore. But yeah. it's now got to the point where it's it's slowly delving into TNA booking now. It's becoming overcomplicated, and I think people are starting to stir on it now.
1: Yeah, Scott. I think what we said was we hoped it would be Jimmy versus Jay, brother versus brother. None of this bloodline stuff. Roman has his own things going on, but it, it seems very much that. The the booking is entrenched with more bloodline nonsense.
0: I know, and they say that they don't want Jimmy versus Jane until WrestleMania, and how, how do you get there? I mean, it feels like they want to keep Jay off TV for a little while because they've moved him to the alumni section. So i like to think maybe he does disappear for a little while to keep this going. I don't know what this means for Jimmy, and that uh, if it was to you, I think they'd, like you said, yeah, move Roman into his own feeds for the title and let Jimmy and Jay do their own thing, I don't know how long that will go on for. Like Roman wasn't even meant to be a uh, Payback or Fastlane, but I've given reports that came in right before SummerSlam, but now he probably can't re- beat wrestle those shows for a little while because you know, it would depend on the severity of this injury. So this leaves you in a good position. Where do you go with Roman, his blood light, his title reign. Where does this fit in with what Jimmy and Jay are doing if Roman probably can't wrestle due to this injury?
1: Yeah, well, if it's SmackDown's 25th anniversary coming up, I would be, Is that in two weeks? Is it next week?
2: Um, SmackDown did in 1999, though, didn't they? So the 25th anniversary boot would be next year.
1: Hold well on. Because Edge challenged Seamus last night.
2: No, no, it's oh, Edge's 25th anniversary.
1: But it's Edge's 25th anniversary. Yes.
2: Right, oh, I thought
1: it was SmackDown's 20th
2: anniversary. No, 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 no. no. It's uh, 25 years since Edge debuted, not when SmackDown
1: debuted. All right, well there you go. Roman definitely won't be there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right now,
1: mind scratch that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is a weird one. I, I, I was so confident. I was on the show last week with Dave. I was, I was, I was shouting it for the hills. I was telling the listeners, "League, I can damn tear it. Jey wins."
2: I <laughs> bet you feel pretty stupid now, don't you?
0: No, no, no. no. Dave, Dave, I knew you were going to fucking do this. But don't just
2: give cause... me a shit about being a non believer, okay? I saw the writing on the wall. You used to just weren't looking at the wall.
0: Oh, shut sure. up. I mean, just because someone didn't have it doesn't mean it shouldn't have happened. Like I know I... you would probably say that, oh, he... Cody should have won, but it didn't happen. And we were saying well, that
1: Well, 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 well me... the two of you squabble. I'll, I'll finish making my original point, which was I. <clears throat> We we talk about Cody Rhodes. We talk about how over he was, and or oh, maybe that was the time to pull the trigger. Cody's popularity has not fallen because Cody's popularity was not attached to Roman Reigns' villainy. Jey Uso was. Jey Uso will never be this hot again. And I, I just feel that, listen, you know, with the injury... The injury may have proved me right, you know. WWE going, oh shit! We should have listened to that boy on Central. <laughs> but you could have easily had Jay hold it for a bit. And you, you, Scott, you're talking about obviously WrestleMania. Uh, they want to do the Usos. You could have done the the Matt and Jeff. You know, at the Royal Rumble, you could have had Jay cost Jimmy the sorry Jimmy cost Jay the title at the Royal Rumble, and then someone else holds the title leading into WrestleMania. It's just. I just. I don't think Jay will ever be that over again. The idea of Jay versus Jimmy, I think, is something you need to do. Striking when the iron's hot. And it goes back to what we said earlier long title runs, formulaic booking, only having title changes on big shows and nine times out of ten, you know, most of them are on WrestleMania. I just. um, I think they should have struck when the iron's hot. And. If you're gonna do JV Jimmy, you do it at payback. If you're gonna have Roman lose, it should have been a J there. That's that's just my opinion, and I'm gonna stick with it. But we are an hour into the show, so I'm gonna wrap it up because it is only a wee-hour-long review of SummerSlam we are doing this week. Um, don't forget, we have a massive back catalogue of previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news. Our 18th season of our fantasy league. Uh, Saturday Draft Live uh, the first show of the season dropped uh, this morning at the time mm-hmm. of recording yesterday morning by the time this goes out um, Saturday Draft Live season 18 starting this coming Monday you can join our Fantasy League get involved all you have to do is get in touch with us via either Facebook Instagram Twitter YouTube you name it we're on the social media sites it's at Suplex Retweet massive back catalogue Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet iTunes Android and Spotify thank you very much Scott and David for joining me for SummerSlam thank you and thank you as well Scott there as you don't say
0: it (laughs) I said it it literally the exact same thing Dave did
1: All right, fair enough Uh, (laughs) thank you very much for joining us we'll talk to you next week about the build to all in multiverse united and the fallout of the raw leading into eh, sorry start that again We'll join you next week. Cheerio, bye.
0: (laughs) Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.